Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. Hi everyone, good morning. My name is Don Kwa, and I will be reading um, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you are able to, please join me in standing as we read God's word. The visit of the wise man. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was, was to be born. He told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. For you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judah, all by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, frankincense and myths, and being warned in a dream not to return to Harold, they departed to their own country by another way. You can be seated. We have uh, been going through this Advent season looking at the birth of Christ using Matthew's um, first two chapters, and uh, the Gospel of Matthew, as it gives us um, this window into Christmas, it doesn't really give us the details uh, really so much surrounding Christ's birth as much as it gives us the meaning of Christ's birth through different people's experiences and encounters with this baby. We looked at um, Mary and the genealogy a couple weeks ago, and you saw how a grace from the beginning pervades the entire thing. And then we looked at Joseph and uh, the experience that he has and how... Uh, the coming of this Christ will not just come uh, to be a part of your life, but it will come to take over your life. And this week, we look at uh, the Magi. Now, what about the Magi? Well, if you notice what it says uh, in verse 12, they went home another way. That's what it says right in the text. And what that just simply tells us is that the experience of the Magi around this baby is that they had an encounter. That is, they came one way and they left another way. Now, what do I mean by an encounter? Well, if you just uh, Google, don't do it now, but if you just Google the, like, the spirit of Christmas, 
I mean, the, the searches and the things that will come up is, is incredible. It's so vast. I mean, how many songs, how many movies, how many bad movies, uh, how many poems, how many thoughts are out there? And what that just tells you is that during this season, uh, we are desperate for like a meaning, for something that uh, no matter who you are or where you come from draws you out of your life and actually connects you to other people in this world. But the fascinating thing about um, what we've engaged with this idea of like the spirit of Christmas is how whatever we find, watch, listen to, it just leaves us in January. It just, it's just gone. Which means that we're listening to something, but it's not an encounter. Because what an encounter is, is like this wise man, is that you experience and you taste and you see something and you go home another way. And you never come back. And what Christmas wants you to do is it wants you to have more than inspiration, more than just feelings. It wants you to have an encounter where you will go home a different way and you will never come back that way. And here, here's how you have an encounter uh, from this text. One, you have to have, you've got to see the search for the encounter. Two, you've got to understand the barriers that you bring into the encounter. But three, you have to be curious for the kindness of the providence in the encounter. And four, you just have to see the wonder of the encounter. First, what I mean, the nature of the encounter. Look back with me in the text, if you will, what it says this. In verse two, uh, when they come, uh, it says, uh, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, We'll jump into what they were actually doing and where they're coming from on this. When it says they saw the star, look, the, the Greek word for saw typically throughout the New Testament is this word blepo. It means just to see, observe, or think something, or, or, or um, just witness something. But here, there's a different Greek word that's used that means to perceive with the mind, to understand, to consider something. And then in verse 8, Here's what it also says about the wise men. It says, uh, when Herod sent them uh, to go search for the child, he said, go and search diligently for the child. Now, there is this one Greek word, search diligently, this word itazo. Uh, the word literally means to examine or to test thoroughly. Uh, it me means to look at the circumstances and to think and evaluate. Now, now what's going on here and, and why are they doing this? Well, the wise men were people who uh, were educated, they were thoughtful, and, and one of the uh, profound parts of their education that was common in the ancient Near East is that they used the stars in astrology to sort of discern the meanings and the significant things that were happening in this world. And so what's happening is they see something from afar, and they're actually going to go look into it and investigate it. Now, along the same lines around this time was a rumor that went throughout the entire region of a baby who was to be born to be a ruler to come out of Bethlehem. That is the prophecy of Micah. Now, some of you hear that, like Micah, and you're like, that's in the Old Testament, right? But like everybody in that region would have known this prophecy, that there was somebody who was to be born. And what they had heard is that there was a baby who was to be born, they looked at the stars, and the significance of the stars 
was that every time a, a, a significant ruler was born or died, they thought it was marked by a significant thing in the stars. So these things are happening, and they are sent to investigate and to look deeply into that. Now, why do I tell you this? The reason I tell you that is because most people think if you want to have an encounter with Christianity, you just close your eyes and believe. That people out in the world look into things, they investigate them, they read, they take different parts of the world, they take different parts of science, they take different parts of information, and that's how they get their foundation and beliefs. But Christians are people who just sort of hope that it will happen for them, and they just believe. But that's not how this works at all. See, the nature of the encounter that we're seeing here is that these people who had a transforming experience, they, they were thinking out, they were looking into, they were taking evidence over here, they were taking information over here, and they were deeply researching and figuring out what is the meaning of the birth of this baby. And that's how Christian faith works. It, it, it's not less than thinking, but it's not possible without it in looking into. In fact, if you don't do it this way, that almost every spiritual encounter that you could possibly have will likely not stand through the ups and downs of life. Because you'll go through the ups and downs of life and you'll wonder and you'll reconsider, why did I ever hold on to this? But the nature of an encounter with the birth of Jesus is always founded in a deeply thought out, researched, sort of rational understanding of what happened here with the birth of Christ. And I'll give you, there's one little clue here. So, one of the major things uh, that the early church fought against as Matthew is writing this gospel actually is an apologetic against astrology. Now, think about Matthew's gospel here. This is astounding. He begins with a genealogy of people who actually would have uh, been embarrassing to have in Jesus' story. And then it begins with, uh, he sort of undermines the patriarchal system with the uh, story of a father who can't even name his own son. But here, the next person to witness Jesus and to be a testimony that this really was the Son of God in the flesh is one of the major things the early church had an apologetic against. Uh, The Japanese scholar um, Yamanuchi He says this in one of his works. He says, Nowhere in the rest of the New Testament, in any of the apostolic works, any of the apologists' writings, can you find any other positive comments on Magi and their way of life. But right at the beginning, the first person outside of his parents that Matthew wants to record you witnessing that this baby really was the Son of God are the Magi. I mean, again, it's like if you want to come to Los Angeles or move to it, and you ask me about the traffic, I'm just going to go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm definitely not going to lead with that as part of the reason why you should come and move here. Why would Matthew do this? Why would he begin this way? It can't be because it's a legend. It must have been, this is what happened and why he wanted to tell you. 
And that's how you have to begin to have an encounter, is you have to begin to look into these things. Have you looked? Have your friends looked? Are they looking? Are they just thinking you're just believing things? Go show them. Go take them through this stuff. Because the first part of an encounter is understanding the nature of the encounter. But secondly, if you want to have an encounter, you've got to understand the barriers that you bring to the encounter. And there's two, and they're very different. Or one is more obvious and one is a little bit more subtle. There's sort of hostility that we can bring, and there's indifference. Now let me show you what I mean. Hostility. Look in verse 3. So what it says about Herod is it says, when, he heard, or when Herod the king heard uh, about this, that is what's happening, is uh, these wise men uh, come into the region, and there must have been uh, quite a stir. It must have been uh, uh, an obvious thing that these people are asking around, looking into it. Crowds were gathered. Uh, moments were significant throughout the weeks. He hears about it, asks about it, and his first reaction to people looking into this is not the same thing that the, that the Magi have later when it says they were found with exceeding joy, but it says that what happened when he heard about this is he's deeply troubled. And then in verse 4, what it says is in a reaction to that, he begins to scheme and pull people into one another and say, you need to go look into this and we need to figure out what's going on. Now, why? Well, because Herod is afraid that his power is going to be threatened. Now, now think about this for a second. Here's the king of the entire region. And there's a baby who's born, and he's afraid of this. Now, it, it can't be that he thinks this baby already has an army, already has an influence, already has something like that will threaten his, his tomorrow. What's happening here? Well, what's happening here is Herod is doing something that you and I so often do, and we may not just be as aware of it as he was. It's that we have the tendency just like Herod, to build our life on something that makes us us, that tells us who we are, that gives us power, it gives us influence, it gives us significance in this world. And what happens when you do anything like that into this world and it begins to be threatened, the person who's threatening that has to go. Do, do you remember the, um, the first Toy Story movie? Um, with uh, Woody and Buzz and the little kid Andy. And the movie starts out where, um, you know, Andy is this little kid. Uh, he's got a favorite cowboy doll played by Tom Hanks, Woody, and they just do everything together. Uh, you know, the, the song, You've Got a Friend in Me, They're the Best Friends. And then what happens is there's a birthday party and Buzz comes. And all of a sudden, Buzz is the new toy. And there's sort of a depressing moment for Andy, or excuse me, for Woody, where like the posters on the wall change, uh, the bedspread changes, and then all of a sudden Buzz is the toy that's sleeping with the kid in the bed. And so what, what happens? The next thing that happens in the movie is that Woody shoves Buzz out the door. As it says, look, look, it's me being the toy. It's not just something I like, it's who I am. And it tells me how I belong in this world. And the moment you come in and threaten who I am, you've got to go. 
And if you want to look into Christmas and you want to have an encounter, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to look deep in your heart and realize what is it in this world that isn't just a part of my life, it's my life. Because the reality of you is there's a you and there's a real you. And the you that you are building your life and reputation on every day is something out there that tells people why they should like you and respect you and follow you. And what you deep down know is that that is a threat every day on your life. That every day, somebody can take that away from you, somebody can say something, somebody can go after it, and it's why life is so fragile. And what Christmas wants actually to do is come in and actually blow that up. And if you get close to it and you get afraid and you feel threatened by it, it's because you deep down know what's going on, that Christmas and the birth of Christ isn't just something that I want to come medicate my life. It wants to take me in a whole new direction. And if you want to have an encounter, you've got to understand that you're going to bring some hostility to that. But secondly, you've got to realize there's a possibility of you bringing some indifference to this. Because in verse 4, when Herod begins to scheme and look at these things, he brings, look, it, it says the, the, the chief priests and the scribes together, and he asks them to tell me about where the Christ is going to be born. And so what they do is they quote the book of Micah. Now, my friend Brian, who's a minister in Greenville, South Carolina, has an amazing observation on this. He says, look, if I come in your house frantically and I say, do you have a shotgun? Now, whether you do or you don't, and you say yes or no, your next question is going to be, what is going on? Like, why do you want this? Do you notice the chief priests say nothing? Herod goes, where is the king of the Jews going to be born? And they just quote it. In fact, when the magi come into town, they start asking questions and nobody knows. And, and here's what we can deduce. The people who are the least interested to look into this and to have an encounter are those who are most connected to the faith. Look, there is a tendency in Christianity to be so inoculated with these Christmas hymns and with these texts and these things around it that you just become indifferent to it. And you more and more make yourself immune to the possibility of an encounter every single season. I, I've only lived in Los Angeles for eight years. But it's amazing to me how many amazing parts of this city that I've experienced. And I'll say to people who have lived here their whole life, have you ever been to so-and-so? They're like, never heard of it. And I'm like, how have you not been to that part of town? How have you not been to that museum? How have you not been to that restaurant? They're like... I don't know. It, it is so possible to have that happen to your faith. And you've got to realize if you want an encounter with Christmas, one of the things that it's going to have to break through 
is the inoculated experience that you can have to indifference. And those are the two things that we sort of bring into an encounter every single time. And so what can be done? Like, what can be done if this is who you are and this is what you're going through? Well, thirdly, you have to be curious for the kindness of providence. Now, what do I mean? Well, who are these magi? We're sort of over halfway through this. I haven't even talked about this. I hate to break your heart, but you know the hymn that says, We Three Kings, there are not three of them, or we don't think there's three of them. The only reason we have that is because there's three types of gifts, but there's very well that you know there was dozens of them, enough to where they were making an influence in that town. And they're not kings, they're magi. Now, who were magi? Ma- magi in that time were thought to be the philosophers, the thinkers, the educated people who uh, were consulted and looked into for the meaning and significant things in the culture. And the main thing that they relied on, I said this a few minutes ago, was the belief that the stars could tell us who we were, what was most significant about life, and what were the significant things that were going to come for the meaning and purpose of life. And so here's what happens. Now, there's a lot we can say about this star and what it says in the text that it settled over the house where the birth of Christ was. I don't know. There's a lot of theories out there uh, about some first century things of Jupiter and Saturn having a, a, a collision of some kind. There's all sorts of things that people have actually written and thought about, um, some, some really scientific things that have happened in that time. I don't think that's the point. But what happens is clearly something unique was happening in this time. And because they relied on the stars and because they looked into them, they see this star and they go follow it for what we think is 750, 800 miles coming from the east of Persia or something like that. And then they go to the wrong town. Did you notice this? It says in verse 1, it says, they came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the baby to be born? And people have to tell them, it's actually not here. It's in Bethlehem. Now, why did they go to Jerusalem? They went to Jerusalem Because anybody in that time would have thought if a significant person is going to be born, he's going to be born in the capital. He's going to be born by the palace. He's going to be born, you know, in New York, not in rural Nebraska. No apologies to all Nebraskans. But here's what we're learning. Here's how they found this baby. They looked into the pagan worldview of astrology. And then they depended on the powerful principles of this world to think, well, significant people are born in significant cities. And this is how they had an encounter with Christ. And here's what we're learning. God will use the most foolish things in your life, some of the darkest things in your life, even the idols of your life, to show you to himself and to bring you to himself. Do you, do you know, you may, you may have something in your life you're not confessing to anybody. 
You may have something you're going through right now that you will not let go of. Or maybe you're, you're even inoculated of. And you have no idea how much God is using that to even draw you into himself right now. And if that's true, for you to have an encounter with Christmas, do you know what you need? All you need is curiosity. There's, there's this amazing show on um, Apple TV called Ted Lasso. And uh, it's just about this uh, American football coach who uh, is like the middle American guy and as a prank almost gets pulled over to be a soccer coach in the English Premier League. And he's made fun of, he's mocked, he's not thought this is to be a success story. And there's an amazing moment where he has an encounter with the former owner of the soccer team. And the, the owner of the soccer team is this cynical, judgmental, uh, hostile, you know, angry guy. He's just walked over people his whole life. He's just taken advantage of everything. And he's mocking this guy, Ted Lasso. And this is what Lasso says to him. He says, you know, guys underestimated me my whole life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me, but then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman and it was painful. Be curious, not judgmental. And I liked that. So I get back in my car and I'm driving to work and all of a sudden it hits me. All the people who used to belittle me, not a single one of them, were curious. They thought they had everything figured out. So they judged everything and everyone. And I realized that they're, under, they under, they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because if they were curious, they could have asked some questions. What is happening in your life right now is so kind. And is the providence of God using things that you would never think matter in your life to bring you to him. And if you want to get out of the inoculated experience of Christmas over and over again, just be curious. Just open yourself up to the curiosity of Christmas and to think that if God will use the pagan idols to draw people into salvation, what is it in my life right now he's even using to draw me into himself? And isn't this so sweet? All you need for that to happen in your life is just to be curious. I'll tell you real quick about somebody who I, I heard did this. My friend at UCLA who leads the RUF ministry told me this story a couple years ago that he had an information table at the beginning of the year sitting out there on the campus and it was set up right next to the Atheist Club. And this, the student who was leading that uh, club met my friend and um, asked him, you know, what his group was about. And he told him, we're, we're Christians here. Uh, we're about telling people about Jesus and connecting their faith. And he said, actually, for the next couple hours, that guy just mocked him over and over and over again. Like, you guys don't know anything. You're idiots. And it just was actually an uncomfortable situation for hours upon hours in this information fair. Well, my friend, just being a sweet, yeah, 
he goes, well, you should just come sometime and see what it's like. And the guy was like, there's no way I'm ever coming to that. So fast forward a couple of months. That kid is in Las Vegas on the night of that shooting. And three of his friends were killed. And he said later on, I'd never felt such a darkness and confusion in my whole life. It bothered him for weeks. And he could not stop having dreams and thoughts and experiences about just darkness and how much darkness he felt around him. And he just had remembered that one moment, that guy he'd made fun of and mocked. And he said, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to go to that meeting. And my friend, having no idea he's there, having not invited him since months ago in August, just happened to be that night preaching from the Gospel of John when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the kid said, when the man goes, Jesus says, I am the light to your darkness. It was an encounter he'd never had in his life. And all that kid had to have in the midst of all of his brokenness was just a little curiosity. Maybe here I'll get some answers. That's, that's all you need. That's all you need this Christmas. Look, if you want to go another way, and you want January not just to be, remember what we did a week ago, but a full new direction in life, you've got to look into the encounter, the nature of the encounter. You've got to know what barriers you're bringing to it. Thirdly, though, you've just got to be curious for God's providence, but lastly and quickly, you've got to stare and experience the wonder of the find. Now, what do I mean? What says this in verse 11? That when the Magi get there to the house, they walk in and they see this baby in the arms of Mary and they fall down in worship. Now think about this. These are grown men who walk into a house and they fall down and worship. Now, some of you might read that or your friends might read that and go, well, that's just what ancient Near Eastern people did. They just celebrated and worshipped children like that. Well, (laughs) do you remember years ago when Justin Bieber was like 12 and uh, he would come out and people would just scream and fall down and yell? And I I was not very compelled by that. And I I struggled not, like struggled thinking those people were kind of (laughs) idiots. And, and didn't have much intelligence to them. But look, these magi, kings consulted these people. In fact, we're told here in the text that King Herod brought them and asked their opinion. But what happens is they walk in this house and they don't bring gifts to get something. They bring gifts because they think the giving of these gifts is the most joyful, powerful experience that they could have in itself. And that's what worship is. When when you don't go with something to get something, but you go give something because giving it and experiencing it is an end in itself. C.S. Lewis has a place in his reflection on the Psalms 
where he says this. He says, praise not merely expresses, but completes joy. It is its appointment, is its appointed consummation. That is almost everything we have in life, you know. You enjoy it, you go do it, but it's actually like for the picture. Or you go do it so that you can tell somebody about it. Or you go do it because it's going to give you a better status or it's going to give you a better place in life. But these men, they walked in and this was the apex of life. Jean-Paul Sartre once said that everybody has to come to like Shakespeare and to Beethoven and to even of the people like that and to say, is that all? Is that all there is? But do you know how we know that these men are not doing that? Because here's what it says in verse 12. It says they had a dream where God met them and says, go home another way. And the reason they have to go home another way is because what they adored and what they've now made their life is going to cost them their life. That going back, knowing what they know and experiencing what they've experienced will be their own death. And you know what? They say it's worth it. Look, you want to know what the secret and the base note of your life is? It's something that no matter what, it's worth it. It's worth even your life because it's your life. And these men, they walked in the room and they saw something or they heard something. And we actually, we actually don't know what it was. But do you know you have something better? Look, here's what you know. And here's why you can treasure this baby that was in the manger, and you can make him your life. It's because this baby will give you his life. In the hymn, it says, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Look, everything else that you have been giving your life to in 2021 is trying to take your life. It's going to say, if you want this, it's going to cost you everything. Christmas and Jesus is God's stamp across the world in his down deposit to say that I will give you my life. And if you take it, it will be life. And if you have that encounter, and you will just open yourself up to the curiosity of that, It'll be a thrill of hope. Alistair Begg, the minister in Ohio, he says this so well. He says, these men came with the treasures of earth in their hand. And they left with the treasure of heaven in their heart. Do the same. And that's the encounter of Christmas. Let me pray. Father... Look, we want this not to just be a day of singing or a season of just nostalgia or sentiment, Lord, but like our lives and our worlds are changed and comforted and turned upside down to know and experience something that you have done and given us. 
Lord, I pray for people in this room that your spirit would come And in a beautiful way right now, Lord, you would encounter us. Lord, help us in this moment, in this song, that whatever story that we have, whatever baggage we're bringing into it, Lord, that we wouldn't have an encounter with that baby. And it would be a thrill of hope. It's in his name we pray, amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.